Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hey, everyone. It's your host, Tracy Rubin. That's weird. I guess I'm a host now, but we'll go with it. I really just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who reached out, who listened to the first episode and shared and posted on LinkedIn and Instagram, Facebook. I am so humbled and grateful. I just, I can't thank you enough for all of the support. Later on in the episode, we'll hear from a physician who is going to share his own perspective on how building trusting relationships, working through COVID and working in a hospital during this time have all impacted his career in different ways. So later on, we'll hear from Dr. Evan Chernoff on all of those points. As always, just a reminder that anything I say on this podcast and future podcasts are of my own opinion and thoughts and not necessarily reflective of the opinions, thoughts, or actions of my employer. So I've received a lot of messages from people who are not in HR that they have had really bad experiences with people in HR. And, you know, the first episode is all about destigmatizing HR. And that's all well and good for those of us in HR. But for those of you listening who are not in HR, you probably were thinking like, yeah, all of these stigmas are what I've experienced. So these individuals reached out with various examples of HR partners in their current jobs or past jobs that have failed them. And I I say fail really intentionally because I think we all can recall moments in our career that stand out and either they're really good or they're really bad. It's infrequent and uncommon to remember the things that were mediocre or like just okay. So these individuals reached out with examples and stories of things that they really didn't like about their HR partners. And I thought it would be really important to talk about trust and building relationships and how important that is, not only for a person who is in an HR role, but also on the receiving end for the individual who's receiving like the support from HR or who is leveraging the HR function. So when I think of building trust and building relationships, this is not isolated to just the HR function. Every single person has a responsibility to build trusting relationships, to build trust. Um, But how do we do this? How do we build these trusting relationships? For me, a big part of it is like being relatable. If you're in HR and you're telling someone what they want to hear, but not the truth or not what they need to hear, you are impacting your relationship negatively because people can tell when you are telling them the truth and people can tell when you are not telling them the truth. And this to me draws a point on authenticity. This actually on a personal level is really important to me. I hate when people are inauthentic. I would rather someone have completely divisive opinions um, and be truly themselves than have someone who, you know, says what they think other people want to hear and then turn around and say something else. That has nothing to do with HR. That is a characteristic. So if someone, or if I'm speaking to someone who is now thinking like, oh man, Tracy's calling me out, 
Like, stop it. Don't be inauthentic. You're only hurting yourself um, on top of hurting other people. And when we think of authenticity, I mean, that is, like I said, it's a, it's a characteristic. People who are authentic are just automatically more relatable. Another thing is transparency. If you are an HR person or you are a manager listening to this and you have told someone, either someone who reports to you or someone else, some, whatever they wanted to hear, but not necessarily the truth, you were not being transparent. You weren't being authentic either. But being transparent is more than just giving people insight into a decision-making process. Being transparent is not lying, first of all, but also being open and honest, period. Either you're going to be transparent or you're not. You're going to be honest or you're not going to be. You're going to be authentic or you'll be inauthentic. Being transparent sometimes in an HR function can be challenging. So now a word to those of you who are not in HR. Sometimes we can't share everything and that's just the nature of the beast. So if you feel that your HR partners or your managers are not being transparent, just keep in mind that sometimes our job functions as managers or HR partners is to keep things close to the chest and it just is what it is. So when someone can be, if you're an HR person or a manager, when you can be transparent, you should be. Joining me today, I have Dr. Evan Chernoff, who is a physician, graduated from medical school at NICOM, the New York Institute of Technology College of Osteopathic Medicine. He spent his intern year at Columbia University Medical Center. He is now a third-year resident at SUNY Downstate in the physical medicine and rehab program with multiple publications and papers that have been presented all across the country. So thank you, Dr. Chernoff, for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here today. Awesome. Well, I'm sure that my listeners will be really excited, all five of them, to know that there is someone new coming on, a new voice. And as I've shared with you, I really am looking to introduce some new and influential guest speakers. Considering we're in the middle of a pandemic, I figured it would be really interesting, or hopefully really interesting, to talk to you as a medical professional um, about your experiences during the COVID pandemic, but also just in general, because I think when we talk about building relationships, it's not always thought about that healthcare is like one of those industries where building relationships is so crucial. But based on what you've told me, building relationships has had a pretty significant impact on your career. So I'd love to hear how you um, have to establish or have had a need to establish strong relationships with patients, peers, attending physicians. Like what are some strategies that you leverage in order to strengthen or build relationships? So I think one of the most important things to, uh, to build relationships as a physician and just in general as a healthcare professional is to really uh, provide trust and good quality care to your patients. I think the most thing and the most important thing is that you really care for your patients and that you, they trust you. It makes a huge difference in medical care. Right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I think it's interesting because as an HR person, obviously it's different because you're providing care, whereas I'm providing support. And it, it, it is a similar function, but it's completely different at the same time. I have never learned more or known more about CDC guidelines than I have now because of everything that I'm dealing with as someone who is 
putting people out on leave, bringing them back, identifying symptoms. And, and I'm going to talk about that at length on another episode, but I'm curious to hear from you as someone who's worked in a few hospitals at this point, who, you know, has had loads of experience in different medical facilities, even through your research years and publications and things like that. Is there an HR presence in healthcare or in hospitals? You know, to keep the patient interaction confidential, you really don't want to involve HR or a third party. Um, but with the more work-related um, interactions between other co-residents and between attending physicians, um, HR does become involved. Well, it's interesting that your first thought is about the patient, which I think I can speak for everyone. Thank you for putting the patient first. Um, but it's funny because my first thought is you on, as the employee. Like, what resources are you provided by the hospital? You're thinking about the resources that you're providing your patients, but who's providing resources to you? And actually, I think in the context of the pandemic, where employees in all industries, and I'm thinking even of my own in retail, where we're not essential, in most most retailers are not essential, you know, what resources, what options can we provide our employees? So for you, you're a hospital employee, and obviously a frontline worker, an essential worker, what resources, if any, have been provided to you? Like, is there any outreach from HR? Do you know who to go to if you need, I don't know, some sort of leave or if you need help with benefits? Like, is there that support? So let me just say that, um, you know, my ideas are not really based on the hospitals that I'm working at currently, but just my experience overall, um, for sure, there's an HR presence in the hospital, but the gear more in a you know medical professional setting is really more emphasis on the patient and less emphasis on on the the healthcare worker. For sure, I've been down to the HR department to ask about benefits questions, but maybe once or twice uh, in in my total career. So you feel like and and don't let me put words in your mouth, but you're saying that certainly there's an HR presence, but the focus and the function of a hospital is to focus mostly and primarily on the patients. Mm -hmm. Got it. So I think that's, I mean, just to add my own thought there, I, I think if someone here is listening and works in a hospital, either in the HR function or otherwise, um, or in just the healthcare industry, I think there's something, there's something to dig into there, especially like we're, we're operating in a, in the middle of a pandemic approaching potentially a second wave and the primary focus of hospitals, of course, is on the patients. And yet the patients receive the best care because they have the best treatment, the best professionals, nurses, techs, doctors, etc. I mean, even even the people who clean the hospital provide a function that is necessary and crucial for the patient's well-being. I mean, without going too deeply into this, my mom was in the hospital in the middle of the pandemic and seeing how even the cleaning staff aided in her care, it's top to bottom. Every single person benefits and supports patient care. So I think there's a really interesting argument to be made that our frontline workers who need us the most right now are probably an underserved population. So actually, to segue off of that, how has COVID impacted your working relationships in the hospitals, like with nurses, with other doctors, with attendings? Is there more collaboration because of the need to just like get through it together? It really strengthened our communication and our uh, collaboration with each other. Um, 
you know, we were pulled from other specialties um, to cover um, general floors uh, to deal with, you know, COVID patients. And we really had mm. to pull together and really take from each other and learn from each other uh, to get through that difficult time. Thank you so much, not only to you, but to everyone who supported patients and their families during this time. And you shared with me offline that there were patients who, especially at the height of the pandemic in the first wave, could not see their families. And it was you and the other doctors and the nurses who would bring in iPads and FaceTime the families so that they could see their loved ones. I can't imagine not being able to see a family member or to be the family member who couldn't see a loved one during a difficult time like that. And I can only imagine the impact that you've had on patients during the pandemic and before. And, uh, I just want to say that, you know, the um, not just me, but the nurses, the respiratory therapists, the custodians, the even the people serving lunch downstairs um, hmm. really put all their, their lives on the line coming into work and actually like, you know, feeding doctors, all the restaurants that came by and gave food, donated food to the hospital to keep the residents going hmm. um, really made a huge difference. And they really did put, you know, they put their life on the line. We really appreciate every single person who is a frontline worker. I mean, I even think about people who worked at like Target and convenience stores during this time. Like I know for you as a doctor, it's a totally different type of frontline work, but there, those individuals also kept the communities going. And I mean, it's just so relevant because we're still in the middle of this pandemic. We're still fighting it. And I think, you know, we're talking about building these trusting relationships, but that, that only goes so far as, as we're willing to go. So Every single person is a part of a community, whether you're like me, an HR director in retail, and you're part of like a, the, the retail community. Every single person gets through these difficult times together. And it's not just through those, those trusting relationships, but it's also in saying your, your health and your well-being matter to me. And so I'm going to put your needs just as high on the priority list as I put my own. So I think it's really interesting to hear from a medical professional on this point. And actually, while we're on the topic of COVID, because I think that this is one of the big questions, what do you think the greatest impact of COVID will be on workplaces? I think the greatest impact that COVID will have will be actually to the social distancing, the hygienic mm. practices. I think that the, you know these, these hygienic practices, such as wearing a mask when you're sick or uh, washing your hands before you eat will make a huge difference uh, in, in disease propagation. Even the flu um, make a huge mm. difference in disease propagation and, and, and preventing these diseases. We're talking a lot about COVID, naturally. I mean, it's probably top of mind for you. It's certainly top of mind for me. To give you some insight, I am working day in and day out on managing COVID-related absences, how COVID impacts our business. I mean, it's, it is everywhere and everything. And when you talk about how, it could, how COVID on the long term could impact our practices from a hygiene and social distancing perspective, I'm curious, do you think that there will be longer term repercussions? Let's say there's a vaccine, for example. BBC published recently that there's already a vaccine that has been uh, proven to have some significant efficacy. And, you know, it could mean that we will be able to see widespread vaccinations across the world for any person willing to receive the vaccine. That's my understanding at this point. But based on your research and your medical knowledge, what do you think workplaces and businesses needs to con need to consider as it relates to their preparation for 
post-COVID measures? Like how do businesses prepare for things like this? People really need to think about diseases and think about others and not just themselves. You know, people really have to take into account uh, that um, disease prevention is number one. You know, this is a great point because actually in retail, especially, I can tell you that there's this feeling that you have to push through it. Like you get sick, you push through it. There's no calling out. And now that this COVID pandemic has completely shifted the mentality. When you think about all these industries, I mean, we're, we live in a capitalist society, right? It's all about making money and driving profitability. So when we talk about having COVID related absences or people calling out sick, I mean, this is a completely different mentality, especially for Americans. And I, I realize I'm generalizing here, but it, it's true. When you live in a capitalist society, it's, it is a constant go. So I think it's interesting that you talk about caring about other people because it's that consideration that potentially is the shift in our strategy for operating as a business. Coming in sick is almost like a badge of honor. Before the pandemic, if you called out because you were sick, you did the wrong thing. I mean, I vividly remember not wanting to call out from Target because that wasn't part of the culture. Like you couldn't call out as an executive, as a, as a manager in the company. And I knew if I went to work and I got sick at work, it would be better for me to get sent home than to actually call out. And now that is like my worst nightmare in managing employees' illnesses. Like, please do not go to work sick. And hopefully as a doctor, you would agree, going to work sick is literally not considering anybody else's health. Yes, I would completely agree. The, the main point is that you don't want to cause disease to be spread throughout different populations and you don't want to cause disease you know, spread throughout the workplace. So really staying at home and taking these um, these preventative measures such as wearing your mask, washing your hands, using hand sanitizer is huge. It makes a huge difference in in patient populations and the disease. For you as a physician, and maybe if, maybe I'm reaching here, but what function of HR would you find to be most helpful? Like, especially when we think about COVID and we're reflecting on this, living through the pandemic, but also hoping for the end to the pandemic in the near future, like, where do you see human resources benefiting you as an employee, as a physician in a hospital? Again, uh, this is not the the view of the hospitals where I've worked at. It's just my experience personally um, is that HR really uh, doesn't really play a, a huge role in, in patient care or um, physician-to-physician interaction um, and more uh, is limited to more of the benefits and payroll perspective. Most of my listeners, I would imagine, are not in the healthcare industry. That is just taking a shot in the dark. But I think what interested me most about interviewing you was really getting a perspective, again, of like coming back to this where HR plays a role in, or, in an organization. Like, is there a need in the healthcare industry to have human resources professionals that focus solely on these peer-to-peer interactions. I mean, certainly everything that happens in a hospital is about patient care and also about making money. I mean, hospitals are, are, and this is not a reflection on your hospitals at all, but my understanding of hospitals is that there is a need, they are a business, there is a need to be profitable. And so my arguments until the end of time is that human resources functions and departments can drive the top and bottom line of businesses. I mean, we can drive profitability. So it would be interesting, one, to hear from someone who is 
in HR, in the healthcare industry to gather your perspective. And I would love to have that person on as a follow-up to this interview. But I think it would be really interesting also to see if HR were implemented in different ways in hospitals. And I know that there are HR business partners. I know that there are HR directors, but specifically designed to improve relationships between peers, physicians, nurses, techs, custodians, et cetera, how that would impact patient care and how that would impact the hospital's expenses and the hospital's profits. I mean, it could be a total shot in the dark, but it's something that interests me. And and I've realized now, I mean, I think I've always realized the importance of our healthcare professionals on our day-to-day lives, but I think we can all agree that during this pandemic, there has never been anything more clear and apparent than the need for very strong, talented healthcare professionals at every level. So thank you for all that you do and all that you have done in keeping New York safe and you know giving back to your community. Thank you, Tracy, for this interview. It's been a wonderful experience. You know, I've really learned uh, through your podcast is that HR is a really is just is not just you know if you get in trouble or if somebody wants to fire you. It's really more of a, a function of of person and person to person interaction, and um, dealing with those and being able mm-hmm. to um, help people with these uh, problems that they're having, and less about uh, you know the uh, the fun police. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my first episode. I appreciate that you, you know, I've actually gotten a lot of quotes on the fun police. So clearly that's stuck. Uh, I, I feel like uh, that's going to be my, that's going to be my claim to fame is that I'm not the fun police. So thank you for taking something away and all the best. Stay safe during this time. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with our, our resident physician of the podcast. Um, I thought it would be interesting to get a different perspective. I mean, I could talk about retail all day, but there are so many industries out there that I'm sure those of you listening would like to hear from and about. So I want to spend the rest of the time answering a question that I received through my Instagram. And the question was, what are tips on how to pivot into HR from another industry? So I think it's it's actually a lot more simple than you probably realize. I think the first step is making sure that your resume is reflective of the job you want, not necessarily the job that you have. Anyone can take their job description and put it on a piece of paper, right? But if you're looking for a job that is maybe a step up from what you're doing, or in this case, to answer the question, a pivot into a different industry, you're going to need to take and remove things that are either relevant or going to make your experience more relevant depending on the role. So to give you an example, if someone is in sales and they want to get into recruiting, they should really hone in on how they build relationships and networks and how they can sell anything. Because if there's anything I've learned about recruiting is that it is all sales, especially when you are reaching out passively. So That's my first suggestion. The second suggestion would be don't spend too much time focusing on not having industry-specific experience. On another episode, I'll share with you some experiences that I've had in job searching and attempting to kind of like apply my experience to different industries, especially since all of my experience has been in retail. I I think that it's all about focusing on transferable skill sets. So what skill set do you have have you developed that 
transfers well over into another industry. It could be retail to tech. It could be healthcare to retail. Like we just heard from our resident physician, like I said, Dr. Chernoff, that there are so many elements of a hospital that lend to patient care. And one of those things that that I hope you all took away was that HR serves a function, people-centric focuses serve a function in any industry. And so if you are looking to get into HR, hone in on that, especially if you're going into like a role that is super people-facing, administration, generalist, business partner, those type of roles, for example. When you can focus on the skills that you've developed that focuses on or builds relationships, supporting people, then you're kind of going to speak the language of the recruiter or the hiring manager. So really focus in on the things that align with the role that you want. Also, we, we know this. For, it's, this is something that we learn, especially in high school. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. So start to network and get connected with people in the industry that you're looking to break into. I got some really great advice from someone close to me who said, listen, some of my favorite podcasts end or conclude with something that's completely unrelated to the podcast topic, but gives us some insight into the person who is hosting the podcast. So I thought I would kind of borrow that. I mean, we'll see where it goes. So far, I've been, you know, enjoying the format that I set for these episodes. So I think it's a great idea. And actually... The first thing that comes to mind is that I really, really love plants and flowers and gardening. Um, I don't really get to do it all that much anymore, but I recently have started going back to our corporate office where I work for my full-time job in FIDI. And upon returning after not being there since March, my bamboo plant, which I bought when I started, so three and a half years ago, which started at maybe two feet tall from like the base of the planter to from the base of the planter to the top of the plant itself is now taller than me. I'm five one for reference and I think it's probably about five five. So Although I don't think that the cleaning crew that cleans our office listens to this, I mean you never know. If they do, thank you for taking care of my bamboo while I was working remotely all these months because the second I realized that we were closing our office, my first thought was, can I safely retrieve my bamboo plant that I have been caring for for the last three and a half years? And I was mortified at the thought of it dying, but I'm happy to report it is alive, it is well, and it thrived So here's to hoping we all thrive in 2021. (laughs) On that note, thank you so, so much for listening to Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you to those of you who have done so since my first episode launched. Please also follow me on Instagram at hrtracy where you can submit questions, chat with me, DM me any topics or suggestions. You can also email me at podcast at hrtracy.com where you can submit suggestions, thoughts, feedback, and questions that way as well. See you next week.